Oh, for those who don't know me, my name's Anna Richards. I'm one of the assistant ministers here at the church. And I don't know about you, but have you noticed how much of advertising in Australia is about salvation? My wife was walking past Donut King just the other day and she saw this message. Good news of great joy. If you bring your reusable cup to Donut King, then you can save the planet just one sip at a time. Forget that you could just wait till you got home to have a cuppa, or as the cynic in me thinks, this just makes it cheaper for Donut King to extract our money at their, um, uh, our money at their, our expense as we drink their coffee. But the good news is you can feel better about yourself as we drink their coffee because we're saving the planet. Nearly every product today from cars to candy, seems to come with an obligatory message about how we are more environmentally virtuous when we buy whatever is that latest piece of landfill or sewage that we are consuming. The reason companies and ad agencies sell to us like this is because it works. But why does it work? Why does a message about salvation work in advertising? And this is the reason. Because whether right or wrong, people think there is something wrong with the world and they feel guilty about it and advertisers are exploiting people's feelings of guilt, in this case about the environment, to manipulate their wallets. So advertisers preach to us, buy the coffee, buy the Tesla. Not only are they great products, but you're also doing something to save the planet. But is buying coffee or really any other hot beverage or product at Donut King really going to save the planet? Christmas is a time when Christians remember God's coming into the world to save us. We celebrate Christmas with family meals and presents which point us and are great reminders of God's work and his saving acts for us. Yet even Christians seem to forget how many of the things we enjoy actually do point to God. The family meal, which so many of us enjoy, is meant to reflect being part of God's family. The presents which we love to give and to receive are a reminder of God's great gift of forgiveness of us. For Christians... Christmas is a time to celebrate God coming into the world to fix our mess. For Christians, Christmas is a time we remember that God has come into the world to save us, to give us his great salvation. This morning we're going to take some time to push aside the constant barrage of advertisers preaching salvation and focus on the salvation that really matters, God's salvation of his people. And to do this, we're just going to focus on those five first verses in John's Gospel. The opening verses of John's Gospel describe God becoming a man to save his people from their sins. In those verses, we will see the necessity of two things God has done for us. Firstly, God has come to his creation 
And secondly, God has come to save his creation. So looking at the necessity of God coming to his creation, we're going to read from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. These opening verse words describe God coming into the world. That is, they describe what is called the incarnation. Incarnation is just a fancy theological term that simply means to be made flesh. That is, in Jesus, God incarnates himself, fleshes himself, so as to relate to creation. Now, this is an amazing idea. God takes on human flesh so that we can get to know him. Anybody who thinks about God must wrestle with the question, how does anyone get to know God? Is man even capable of knowing God? And this is where the incarnation becomes truly important because in Jesus taking on human flesh, God is saying to the world, this is the place, this is the person where you come to know me. If you truly want to know God, then you must go to Jesus. To get to know any person, you have to talk to them. You might get to know a little about a person by watching them from afar, but to really get to know them, to know what they're about, you will have to speak to them. And they, in turn, will have to reveal themselves to you. And that, that's just obviously true. And so when it comes to God, humanity has the same issue about getting to know him, but it's only bigger because God in his nature is completely different to us. People in our world are just weird when they think about God. Though everyone understands it's obviously true that to get to truly know a person, they have to reveal themselves to you, that is, they have to tell us about themselves. When it comes to God, people seem to think that they can just figure him out on their own, that they can just look at him from afar and figure out who God is. But when you realise and think about it, that's just a bizarre thought. Humanity has no access to God as he exists within himself. Knowing God as he is within himself would be like asking me to bring you a sample of the planet Pluto. It just isn't happening, ever. I don't have the ability. I don't have the raw resources, nor will I ever in this lifetime. Yet man's ability to know or understand God as he is within himself, is it absolutely dwarfs my inability to get to the planet Pluto. God as he is within himself is simply out of man's reach to observe. The prophet Isaiah explains man's ability to know God this way. For as heaven is higher than the earth, 
So my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. But here is the awesome gift of Jesus. In Jesus, God doesn't stay afar. He doesn't remain aloof or unknown. He's not up at Pluto or beyond. And though we could never reach up to God through our own means, in Jesus, God has reached down to us. That is the fantastic news about Jesus. If you want to know God, come to know this man, this Jesus. Come to know Jesus of Nazareth, born of the Virgin Mary. That is why it is never arrogant to claim Jesus is the only place where you can know God because the God who made the entire universe has made himself known in this man, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God reveals himself. God tells us what we need to know about him. This is what John is saying in verse 4. In him was life and that life was the light of men. Here when John talks about life, John is talking about the relationship Jesus has had with the Father and the Spirit. The life John is talking about in verse 4 is a community of relationship that God has enjoyed and will enjoy for all eternity. The one God exists and has always existed as a community in relationship. And so when Jesus came to earth by becoming a man, he shows us how we are to be relational. He shows us how we are to relate, firstly, to God himself and then to the rest of mankind. And in so doing, Jesus is the light of all mankind. He is the one person uniquely qualified to show mankind who God is, because he has always been in relationship with the Father for all eternity, for, from before the creation began. And John describes that relationship as light. John uses light as an analogy because of its qualities. Light guides by enlightening things, by showing things. Light, by its very nature, gives direction by making things visible. It allows us to see and perceive reality, the truth that is around us. The life of God shown in Jesus, that is the way Jesus relates to the Father, enlightens our lives. It gives us direction. It gives mankind purpose. God's relationship revealed in and through Jesus is the light of mankind. He is our guidance. That is why it is good to celebrate Christmas in relationship with family. We all know the saying, blood is thicker than water. We gather with our families because we know that families are supposed to relate in loving encouraging and mutual relationships. Families should be there for us in thick and in thin. God has created family to resemble the family he has enjoyed throughout all eternity. A family of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. Families should support, enrich 
encourage each other as God does within himself. But not all families do. And if your family has broken relationships, that is a sad and terrible situation. And God knows this. And this is what this section of text goes on to say. Jesus has not just come to make himself known as God. Jesus has come to save us from our broken relationships. God has come to save. Verse 5. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. As God has come to give light, a light that shines in a dark world, we need to remember that we are in a world of darkness. Darkness is the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. It is the absence of God's knowledge. Mankind's darkness is that in its foolishness, it has rejected God and his purposes for our lives. And when we did that, we were plunged into darkness. We have no direction. We have no purpose. We do not know the right way to live our lives with God and with others. In darkness, each person decides how to live before God and with each other. This is what sin is. Sin is a rejection. It's a rebellion against God. Sin says, I don't need God in my life. I'm perfectly fine without him. People do this because they don't want God to tell them how to live. They don't want God to give them rules or purpose for their lives. They want to make up their own rules. They want to make up their own reasons and purposes for life. And when you have 8 billion people on a planet all saying to God, no thanks, I'll do it my way, as the old Frank Sinatra song said, you're going to run into some problems. And we see those problems. We see that darkness all across the family of mankind. We see the broken relationships. We see the addictions to drugs, to drink, to debauch and degenerate behaviour. And the fractures we see in mankind's relationships with each other and often of the abuse of the planet itself are all symptomatic of mankind's fractured relationship with God. That is the darkness to which the light of Jesus has come and in which shines. The greatest problem any of us can ever have is a broken relationship with God the Creator. He has made us. We are made for Him and His purposes. And to break that relationship causes us massive problems and this is what Jesus has come to do fix the broken relationships we have with God and with each other and this is the truly great news of Christmas God has come to fix what we broke Jesus has come to take away God's judgment God's justice God's anger at our rebellion, at our sin against him. See, we just didn't need God to come into the world to tell us about himself. We need someone to step in between us and God and deal with his just judgment of us. 
We needed a saviour to take the penalty that we deserved for being in rebellion against our creator. And that is what Jesus has come to do, to step in and take the punishment that we so richly deserved. And he did that by dying upon a tree, not a tree decorated in baubles with a pretty star, but a cross where in his death he bore God's anger in our place. And in so doing, he says to us, he invites us, trust my work of salvation. Trust me. Jesus says to us, you don't need to save yourself. I will save you. Trust me. That is the open invitation to every person, every day, by Jesus. Come and trust me to save you. If you are here and you do not know this great salvation, can I encourage you, can I implore you, take up Jesus' offer today. If you want to know the God who not just came into the world so that he could be known by us, but came into the world to save us, to save what we broke, to fix our broken relationship with himself, who loved us so much that he bore all of God's anger, all of God's justice, all of God's wrath upon the cross and said, I give you mercy. That is the God who loves us and is speaking to us today. God has given us so many great blessings and we enjoy so many of them today. Many of us today will sit around and enjoy family, food and fun with presents that we were given. But all these blessings, all these great joys point to God's great blessing upon that greater Christmas tree. It is not a tree of baubles, but it is a cross. It's not one we decorate with a star, but instead was hung the Son of God. The greatest tree was the tree where God hung himself for the forgiveness of his people. When you look at that tree, remember that God has died to save you. When you open and play with the gifts you receive, remember the gift that God has given of his very life in place of yours. As you sit with your families, remember the family that God has brought you into through his death. And as you remember Jesus, remember that God loved the world this way, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever trusts in him will never perish but have eternal life, eternal relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ, our saviour, can I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. But most of all, can I wish you know this great Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you are a great and mighty God. We thank and praise you that in Jesus you have revealed yourself, you have 
told us about yourself and you have made yourself known to us. But we thank you most of all that in Jesus you sent your son to die that we might receive forgiveness of sins. Help us to understand what we have broken with you. Help us to understand that we need you to step in for us. Help us to understand that Jesus has done just that and that when we put our trust in his saving work, in his death in our place, that you bring us into your family, that we might enjoy relationship with you and with one another throughout all eternity. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.